Welcome to the New Books Network. Hello and welcome back to the Life Wisdom Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Raj Balkron, and today I have the honor of speaking with Elder Little Brown Bear. He's an elder, uh, a highly respected um, Métis elder, and we will be talking about um, some um, uh, life wisdom and perspectives and practices from um, the Aboriginal peoples. Um, Elder, it's an honor to have you on the podcast. Welcome. Well, thank you um, uh, for having me. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a great honor, and I'm very humbled to be, I've been asked to uh, to join you today. Could you tell us a little bit about your work in the world? I know you're heavily involved in healing. We'll maybe talk a bit about your work first, and then we can dive into some um, um, of spiritual beliefs or life wisdom. How does that sure. sound? Sure. So I work for uh, Michael Guerin Hospital. It's the Toronto East Health Network. And I'm the director here of the culture and of the programs um, uh, that uh, we help Aboriginal people, uh, First Nations, Métis, and Inuit. And I also also run the accredited uh, Aboriginal um, healing program uh, downtown in Toronto as well. And part of that, uh, uh, part of our journey is to help people on that journey, uh, coping skills, problem solving strategies, uh, traditions, uh, ceremonies, um, helping them get back to their way of life. Because I've always said, uh, Raj, is uh, being Aboriginal is not a lifestyle. It's a way of life for us and the things that we do in following the seven grandfather teachings, uh, in following the uh, the medicine wheel teachings and stuff. So, um, And I help other agencies as well. Um, and I also provide uh, guidance. Um, I also do some work with the uh, federal corrections, the Section 84s. I come out in the provincial corrections as well, as well as uh, schools and, and other uh, hospitals as well. We provide some knowledge uh, for them to help uh, other people on that journey. Um, I, and you know what? It all comes down to my philosophy. And my philosophy is simply this, Raj. People don't care how much you know. They want to know how much you care. And mm. that's I've always, I've always followed that all of my life. Uh, there's so many interesting threads. First, you mentioned in passing um, um, uh, Aboriginal peoples, and then you specified it further. So uh, what we chatted about briefly before we started recording is that in you educating me, you also will be educating all of our listeners. So what is the proper way to refer to or to address um, Aboriginal peoples? So one of the first things is, is you need to ask them how they want to be addressed. You know, it's like, you know, it's, it's like if somebody's called Robert, you say Bob or Bob or Rob, they may not want to be addressed in that. So we need to ask a person first, show that respect. How would you like me to address you? So for me, I do not use the word indigenous. Uh, what I use is the First Nations, Métis, and Inuit. So I'm very specific because they are very specific groups uh, of individuals. And so I will either refer to them specifically or I will say Aboriginal people. Because being Indigenous, you can be from anywhere. But Aboriginal people, the First Nations, Métis, and Inuit, they're very specific groups. And it's not disrespecting anything. It's just it's respecting and asking, how would you like to be addressed? You know, what comes to mind is um, on, on my primary podcast, the new books in um, Indian religions, as in, uh, as in uh, Eastern religions, um, what comes to mind is... Um, 
it's hard for us to grapple with uh, the fact that there's more diversity among the states of India as there are in all of Europe. And I imagine it's similar with uh, First Nation traditions. Uh, we it's it's easy to 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 because of our perspective to clump folks into one group and not understand how very different various uh, peoples are. It's it is so true. Um, there are different uh, traditions. Uh, there are different uh, ceremonies. There are different ways of doing things. But you're respectful of other people. So when Ojibwe uh, individuals, uh, you know, they come into the sacred circle, they come in clockwise. Uh, from Mohawk, we go counterclockwise. So you, you would never say somebody they've entered the circle wrong. It's having that respect. Um, and if I go into your house, I, I respect your rules because I'm in your house. So it's about mutual respect. Not everybody's teachings are the same, uh, but you have respect for those teachings. Could you tell us a little bit about Métis teachings and maybe your journey uh, towards becoming an elder? Uh, so you know, for the longest time, I would never tell people because my grandmother told me never to tell people who I was. And for fear of being beat up, um, criticized, made fun of, um, all of those things. So um, uh, my grandmother one day told me, you know, of our Aboriginal descent. And then she, she had this look of fear in her eyes after she told me. And she said to me, don't ever say anything to anybody because they will beat you up because of who you are. And so I never did for the longest time. And then I met up with um, my elder, Dahaji, a wonderful man. Um, uh, I met with him and I presented him tobacco leaves wrapped in a red sash and uh, asked him to be my elder and to provide me with those teachings. And um, he did. And, you know, I was told that you're born into this role, but you develop. So you know that you're going to be who you're going to be, but then you develop it with your mentors or your elders, and they help you develop in those roles. Could you tell us a little bit about the journey of what it was like to start off, um, you know, in this in this mindset of, you know, I better not tell anybody because I'll get beat up. Um, and, you know, I, I bet you there's so many people who can relate to that in different ways. And then coming out and owning it, you know, what was that like? Or what was the, you know, did you change perspectives in your own family or in um, community at large? Can you just say a bit more about that? Yes, absolutely. Um, so before, uh, you know, acknowledging my, uh, my Aboriginal heritage um, and walking in that, in that path and that journey, um, it was very scary. I remember um, uh, when I sat with my elder and, and, and spoke with him, you know, um, it was, you know, it was like a void being filled. That's what it was. It was like a void. There was always a void there. And when I finally acknowledged it and was getting those teachings and being around our people and learning about smudging and learning about the medicine wheel and, and all of those teachings, it was like a, a void was filled. This is the path that, uh, that the Creator is, has provided me to walk on. Well, you found your purpose without question, it seems. And it Absolutely. seems it's so, and but so often that the treasure is guarded by some terrifying uh, troll or some, you know, uh, that the thing that we fear, the thing that we're, we're, we're told to fear or, or told to be ashamed of. And so often, if and when we're able to push through, you know, it's like winning the jackpot in terms of purpose. It is. So, uh, you know, 
It is. And so I finally got to understand um, that walking this journey. Um, so uh, I, the creator works through me as a conduit in order to provide uh, skills, uh, teachings, uh, problem solving strategies to help build people uh, on their journeys. Uh, we recently just finished a documentary or a movie called Healing the Nation. And you know what was really nice is you heal the person, the person heals the family, the family heals the community, and then the community helps to heal the nation. I work really hard at working myself out of, out of work because if I do, then people will be on their healing journeys. So it's about helping that first person and then moving forward. The Aboriginal Healing Program, for instance, you know, we have the program. There's no waiting list because I don't believe in them. Uh, there's no time limit on, on healing. A, a healing journey should never be forced. It should be something that a person wants to be on. So there's no time limit on that. So changing those perspectives allows for that person not to be pressured to be on that journey. You know, I wish to to dive into this healing paradigm. There's so much that comes to mind. As my audience probably knows with this podcast and certainly with the other podcasts is that these conversations are never scripted because I really believe in organic live conversation with people. Um, but just clarify for us, when you say the creator, does that refer to a specific deity, a force? Can you tell us a little more about that, what that means to you? So whenever I'm saying prayers, I ask the creator, God, or do whomever that you pray to or get your strength from, you know, to carry us each day. And to, you know, to, to keep us safe each day, but to let us walk when we're able to walk, but never leave our side. So it's to whoever that person has that belief system in that gets strength from. So there's no higher, higher whatever that they see as their strength. And for us, um, I have people that come into the program uh, that are Catholic, Protestant, Pentecostal, but they practice traditional uh, ceremonies as well. So... Uh, there's never any judgment. There's never any judgment. And I think that for some people, it helps It helps them on that journey. There's no fear anymore. Mm. So tell us a bit about uh, the healing work, so, sort of perhaps what sorts of ailments or issues do people come to you with in your work? So uh, trauma uh, is one of the things that we, that we uh, help people through, uh, intergenerational traumas. Um, you know, those impacts, the blood memories of things that have happened over the years, uh, addictions, uh, mental well-being issues as well. Um, you know, we've come to understand that trauma drives a lot of addictions and drives a lot of mental well-being issues. And addictions drives the mental well-being issues. Mental well-being drives, drives the addiction issues. But everything starts off with trauma. And so when they come into the program, they're broken. They're broken. They come in, their shoulders are down. Uh, you know, they don't feel very good about themselves that whatsoever. But then they start to get involved in the circles. We have what's called a sharing circle or a healing circle. And it's the coming together of family. Because when people come in there, they're not coming into a group. They're coming into a family. And we share our stories. And they know that whatever's said there, done there, they see there. It stays there when they leave there. So they have that comfortable enough to be able to explore the issues from the past. You know, one of the things that I teach around that is, you know, the most destructive force in this universe is regret. You know, practice forgiveness. Forgiveness won't change your past, but it could alter your future. 
you know, so they learn these things. They learn about parenting. They learn about anger release. I don't believe in management. That's like your bank accounts. And you know what? We don't do very well with our bank accounts. So we learn how to release. We learn about expectations. Love is an action without expectations. You do things because you want to do them, not because of an ulterior motive, not because of a hidden agenda. Love is an action without expectations. So they learn these things. Ah, there's so much, there's so much, um, there's so many kernels of wisdom that you've touched on in passing, uh, various, um, various things come to mind, even in other traditions, because, you know, I believe that wisdom is innately human. I mean, uh, yeah, uh, one is that there's this, um, I think a Buddhist parable that holding a grudge is like swallowing poison and hoping the other person will, will, will drop dead. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> um, would you say that the, 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 these kernels of wisdom about um, a life well lived or dealing with trauma, you know, the, 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 the power of forgiveness, um, letting go of anger, um, does this come from your your training as as an elder or, or elsewhere, or is it a combination? It's a combination of life experience, but also ac- academically, but also the wisdom from my elders. You know, the Haji is uh, provided a lot of wisdom um, on on walking this this journey. So it's a combination of everything. I think people, you know, don't realize how much life experience that they have that they can help people. You know, they have a lot, a ton of life experience. It's just a matter of bringing it out in them so that they can build confidence for themselves. One thing that comes to mind is that the healing paradigms that you're referring to or that you're engaged in uh, strike me as holistic or looking at the whole person in some sense. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. Everything is about holistic. You know, we need to bring more holistic approaches to medicine. We need to bring more holistic approaches to our lives. If you look at mainstream, they talk about eight by eight by eight, finding a balance, eight by eight by eight, eight hours work, eight hours play, eight hours sleep, 24 hours a day, 168 hours in a week. Now, if you look at the medicine wheel, we do six by six by six by six. However, we look at the psychological, the emotional, the spiritual, and the physical. And so that's a holistic approach to your healing. If one is out, the other three are out. So it's bringing things back into harmony and back into balance. If you're looking at your physical, you know, if I said, hey, Raj, how are you doing physically today? So I'm looking at, did you get enough sleep? Did you eat properly? Are you exercising? Because a lot of times we don't. So rather than do eight by eight by eight, we look at the more holistic approach around our psychological, our emotional, spiritual, and physical. Do you use traditional healing um, techniques and can you share what that looks like? So some of our medicines that we use to help people on, on their journeys to dealing with traumas and addictions, like we have our sweat, traditional sweat lodges that we have that people go in for healing. We have healing sweats. Uh, some of our medicines like our tobacco, which is very sacred to us, uh, sits in the eastern direction and we use that to communicate. Uh, we use that to, uh, to, to ask for things from left hand to left hand, so from heart to heart when we're asking for things. Uh, we have um, our cedar, uh, you know, which sits in the south. And our cedar, you know, we have cedar teas that we have. We have cedar baths. That's a purification that we use. Um, we put it in the bottom of our shoes to help ground us. 
over top of our doorways, you know. So whenever we're lighting a smudge in our smudge bowls, uh, we put cedar in and it crackles and the spirits get excited. So they, you know, that we're asking them to come and help us. Sage is another one that we use. Uh, that helps to get rid of negative energies. That helps us to, uh, to continue on that journey to speak good words. And our sweet grass as well, uh, Mother Earth's hair, which also helps with purification. But we use these medicines. So we take, when we light them, we say our prayers. We use the smoke to wash over our minds, over our, our hair. So that helps us to have a good mind, to be of one mind, and to walk in a good way, to have good thoughts of one another. Then we wash the smoke with our eye, with our for our eyes. That helps us to see clearly. We take our glasses and smudge in the smoke. That helps us to have a clear sense of things. Our ears, so that we can hear good things, open up those channels to hear good things. Our mouths, it's, you know, there's a lot of people that swear. There's no swear words in the Aboriginal language that I've ever been told of. So we make sure that we can speak good words to one another, from one another. You know, my elder always says to me, <laughs> he, he says, make sure your words are sweet because you might have to eat them someday. <laughs> and it's true, you know, if you look at it. And then we also smudge our hearts, you know. That's to help us feel feel good things. You know, sometimes our heart gets, you know, gets sad. So it helps us to feel good things. Then we smudge the rest of our bodies so that we're able to walk in a good way. Then under our armpits as well, we need to smudge because negative energies might sit there. So these are just some of the things that we'll, that we'll use. We're feasting our bundles, uh, you know, pipe ceremonies, uh, naming ceremonies. So all of those things that we help. And, you know, we've smudged with non-natives as well. They've come and they've smudged and they've said that they've found healing as well. So I've always been told from my elder, you know, as an elder, when people present you tobacco and ask for teachings, you, you provide those teachings. That's beautiful. Now, it seems that, um, you know, in, in the West, we're used to the body being a physical entity. And I think medicine for all of its wonders has a limitation because it's, it's obviously bound by um, empiricism and what can be seen, what can be observed. Yeah. But when you talk about smudging and talk about these paradigms, it seems that you're talking about an aspect of self or a body that's subtle or non-material or non-physical. Would you agree with that? Um, ex explain. So medicine looks at, uh, modern medicine looks at our physical body. Yeah. It seems like some of the practices you refer to, um, purifications and smudging, you are accessing or, or conceiving of the person as having a spiritual self or a subtle body or um, aspects that are not physical. Yeah. Is that correct? Yes. So it's about, it's our, our spiritual beings. So if you're angry and we smudge with sage, that anger will dissipate because of the smell and because of how it relaxes and gets rid of the negative energy. You know, I've, I've always been asked, how, how does it work scientifically? It just works. Why? Because we know it works because we've been, you know, smudging for, for, you know, thousands of years. You know, we've been doing this kind of, of healing. And if you talk to individuals, both native and non-natives, um, after smudging during a ceremony, they come up and they, some of them will get emotional because now they're able to release without worrying anymore. 
So it really helps to calm your physical, your psychological, emotional, and spiritual self. We really struggle with emotions uh, in our culture, don't we? We do. We struggle processing them. We do. We do. And you know what? Um, whenever I'm doing anything, I always tell people in that circle that um, never hand a Kleenex to anyone. Let the tears flow. I know the intentions are, are good, but when, as soon as you hand that Kleenex, you're saying that you're uncomfortable. Please stop. Let the tears flow. Tears are healing. That's a release that we can have. Our laughter, oh my goodness, you know, our laughter. Our, you ever have a really good belly laugh where your belly just jiggles? That is a good belly laugh. For us, that is medicine. That helps us to get through things. You know, I always tell people, you know, teach yourself to laugh again. I will never forget that you cried, but please teach yourself to laugh once again. There's so many, many, I can't express how many parallels occur in the back of my brain as you speak, both from studying different religions, uh, but also in consulting people. I don't lead with the healing piece. I primarily study, but I coach and one-on-one coaching, consulting, and oftentimes people come with various um, traumas or issues. Yes, absolutely. And and there's there's so much that you're saying that's parallel in terms of um, in terms of emotional release, for example, or in terms of looking at the whole person or various aspects of self. Um, do you feel that the wisdom that you've um, the wisdom that you've received and that you use? Do you feel that that can be integrated into um, modern medicine? I do. Um, you know, wisdom, to cherish the knowledge is to know the wisdom. And so it's not about, it's, it's not about integrating. So in the program, um, it's about blending Aboriginal teachings with mainstream information and practices. So it's about blending stuff. We used to, so we always came from three different kingdoms, the animal kingdom, plant kingdom, and the mineral kingdom. And now we're in the technology kingdom. So we need to learn how to blend things together. You know, we've always been told that we're on two roads, uh, the road to salvation and the road to destruction. And, you know, the traditional teachings is the road to salvation. Technology will someday destroy us. So we need to find a balance with all of that. So we practice blending those teachings with mainstream information and practices. What do you feel... um what do you feel that we can most, what wisdom do you feel that we can most benefit from as a society? Like, what do you feel that our culture and society could really benefit from? So, okay. So let's, let's get down to this. The system is broke, right? We're always telling people you need to bend to the system. It's broke. We need to acknowledge that first of all. I think the other thing that we need to acknowledge Raj is this. Um, you know, we always think the culture is too big to change. But we're the culture. We need to start changing. We need to start changing things, being kinder, um, being more helpful, um, saying, can I help you? How may I be of service without those hidden agendas, right? Love is an action without expectations. So doing things because you want to do it. Don't do them. How many times have you done something? You said no, but you felt guilty, but you did it anyway. So love is an action without expectations. So doing the things that you would like to do to help out without anything in return. The wisdom that you received in the training, um, is this being passed on either by yourself or, or other elders? 
always passing it on. We always talk about the seven generations that are behind us, you know, our children, our grandchildren, and those yet to be born. So there's, we're always passing those on. So what we do today will affect the seven generations that are behind us. So that's why we walk with soft moccasins. Listen, if I walk with a two by four, I'll get your attention. That doesn't mean that you're going to listen to me. Come on, right? But if you walk with soft moccasins and speak softly, oh my goodness, look at all the things that you can learn. You know, the creator's always told us, we have two ears and one mouth. Listen twice as much, talk half as much. Because if we're always talking, we can't hear what's being said. So we continue that path, but always being respectful, always being kind, all of those things. Are there currently other elders in training in your tradition? You always have elders in training. You always have mentors. You always have people. Um, you know, the thing is, is to be humble enough to ask a person for help, not to be arrogant, uh, to, uh, to be very humble, to walk in humbleness. Uh, in the program, there's a lot of the community members. They've graduated. They've completed. They've got their kids back. Uh, they're back in school. They're all, but they always remember to walk in humbleness. I'm not the rock star of the program. They are the rock star. I'm simply a conduit in which the creator, God, or the highest provides the strength. You know, that's all I am is a conduit to help them, to provide those teachings. What they do with it is up to them. I cannot and won't do the work for them. But I can say here, here are the teachings, and this is the road that you can walk on for your healing. Yeah, the that really resonates. Um, the 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 best analogy that came to mind once I think I was teaching an undergrad class or something. I said, "Look, you're the farmer. You gotta you gotta harvest. You gotta plant. You gotta plow. I, I'm the uh, you know. I'll make sure it's sunny and it's raining and the soil's fertile. But that'll mean nothing if you don't do the work. So it's it's really it's really beautiful um, teaching you just shared. Um, is there anything? else that you'd like us to touch on in terms of your work or, or, or in general, really anything at all? You know, I just, for me, I think, um, I feel that we just, we just need to take a breath. We need to step back and we need to slow down. You know, we need to be kinder. We need to be softer with one another. Um, think, act and feel in terms of another person. You know, we really need to start doing that. And I think that we need to look at, so if you look at technology, if you really think about, and this is scary, we do more of our dating online, more of our grocery shopping, more of our commerce online. You know, we've, we're getting lost. When we get lost in the profession of what we're doing, we get lost with it. We're, we're losing that human touch. You know, a couple of, a couple of, a couple of um, months back, um, these uh, two little girls that I know were sitting on a bench and they were sitting and they were laughing. And I, I said, Hey girls, how's it going? I said, what are you laughing at? You realize they were sitting side by side, but they were texting each other. So they weren't even talking. So we need to get back to that human touch. Hey, how's it going? Raj, you know, really, really from the heart, a pishka day from the heart and saying, how are you doing? And be genuinely interested I was at a meeting a couple of weeks ago and uh, somebody was getting knowledge. And as I was speaking, they had their cell phone in their hand and they were texting. You know, am I really that important to you? So we really need to take the time and make that time and say, you are important. I am not answering this phone. We need to speak 
face to face. Yeah. <laughs> I'm laughing to myself because hearing you speak, uh, coming from a very different perspective and tradition, it's like you know me. <laughs> I, I have a rule in conversation, which is you're either available to the world or we're in conversation. You choose. Yeah. Uh, I'm fine either way, but it can't be both. No. Right. So if I go out for dinner with somebody, I don't know, maybe feels like 10 years ago, the last time that happened, but you know, it, it's, it's, I think, I think technology is a wonderful servant, but it's a very poor master and people are slaves to it. Yeah. So all, all of the time and efficiency we've, we can gain by, um, um, shopping online or, or uh, banking from your home. It's not harnessed for anything meaningful. It, it just creates this habit of staying mm-hmm. online, living online, being online. And, uh, uh, one thing I want to ask you just a little bit random, but it just came to mind. What do you think the role of the pandemic has to play with the slowing down you're talking about, if any? Well, I think part of it is it helps us to spend more time with family to get to know one another because we're, our lives are so busy. We've gotten so busy in life. You know, it's, 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 uh, it's allowed us to step back to see what is important and what is not important in our lives. You know, um, if anything, it's uh, helped us to be a little more cautious uh, going forward. Um, I think also to be kinder. You know, a lot of people have passed away uh, uh, from the pandemic, but also we got to remember those people that are that are still here, that are still suffering from that. So I think, if anything, it, it it can it can allow us, if we choose to, to be kinder and again think, act, and feel in terms of another person. That's great. That's thank you very much for um, appearing on the podcast and sharing your wisdom today. Oh, listen, it's, uh, like I said, I was very humbled and honored that you asked. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, we never say goodbye in our language. We always say either Bamapi or Onagiwahi. Bamapi is in Ojibwe and uh, Onagiwahi is in Mohawk. And uh, it just simply means until we meet again. Until we meet again, indeed. Uh, for those of you listening, we've been speaking with Elder Little Brown Bear, um, um, on some some fascinating, insightful uh, wisdom uh, from his traditions um, and his work in the world, uh, integrating it with um, healing methodologies uh, in Western medicine. Um, until next time, stay safe, uh, stay sane, keep well, and and keep contemplating some of these nuggets of wisdom. Take care. <laughs>